0: I want you to take your Bible. We've been preaching a series of messages entitled, It's All About Him. It's All About Him. And we've been preaching through the names of God. We talked about Jehovah Jireh. We talked about Jehovah Saba. My, you could preach. You could preach to Jesus gets back just on the names of God. And today we're going to preach about Jehovah Shalom. If you go to Israel with me and I, uh, many of you been. I'm going in 2019. If you've never been, I'd love for you to go in 2019. When you see people there, they don't say hi. They don't say, you know, that. They say shalom. Shalom. When you greet somebody, shalom. As you leave, they say shalom. And uh, that's what we're going to talk to you about today is Jehovah shalom. Look what the Bible says is in Judges chapter 6, verse 22, it says, When Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. And Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day. It is yet an Oprah of the Abba Ezra. I want to talk to you about his name is Jehovah Shalom. His name is Jehovah Shalom. I heard about an ad that was in a newspaper, it was actually in the Lost and Found, and somebody had lost their dog. And this is what they put in the newspaper Lost dog. Crippled in the front paw, blind in left eye, mange on the back and neck, tail missing, recently neutered, answers to the name Lucky. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that name Lucky actually describes that dog, but I do know this. The name Jehovah Shalom describes the Lord. And I want you to know the Lord describes that name he epitomizes and he personifies that name, Jehovah Shalom. Now, I want you to see the place where this name, Jehovah Shalom, is actually mentioned. It's actually mentioned right here in Judges chapter 6, where the Scripture says, You shall be Jehovah Shalom, or the Lord our peace. Now, let me give you some background to what has happened. The Israelites were actually in bondage to the Midianites. They were in bondage for seven years. And the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, they were in bondage is they had forsaken God. See, somebody said, Brother Benny, I broke the Ten Commandments. No, you'll find the Ten Commandments will break you. You'll find the Ten Commandments will break you. When we disobey God, ladies and gentlemen, it never leads to good things. In your personal life, if you disobey God, it never leads to personal uh, to good things. Now they disobeyed God. And God said, You're under the bondage of the Midianites for seven years. Now, what that meant, they they had no crops, they had no animals, they were impoverished, they were destitute. And the Bible says this: they called on the Lord, and a prophet comes and basically says, it's because you disobey God. That's why you're experiencing these hardships. And there was a man by the name of Gideon. He was hiding from the Midianites in a wine press. He was hiding out, and an angel comes to him, and an angel says, you mighty man of valor. Apparently, God sees us different than we see ourselves <laughs> because this guy was hiding out. In a wine press, scared to death of the Midianites. But God said, You mighty man of valor, I'm gonna use you, I'm gonna use you to lead Israel out of this bondage. And the Bible says that Gideon names that place Jehovah Shalom, or the Lord our peace. You know what that tells me, folks? The conditions weren't real good. But God gave peace. Now, John 14 and 27 says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want us to leave that verse up, and I want you to see three things right quickly, folks. First of all, peace is a gift. He said, I give unto you. You got to understand something. It's not something we create. It's a gift. It's something God gives to us. The second thing I want you to understand is this. God's peace is different from the world's peace. Notice what he said. He said, the peace I give you is not like the world gives unto you. God's peace is different from the world's peace. You know, Hebrews 11 and 25 says this, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You know, I've heard people say, sin's not fun. Folks, you didn't do the sin I did. You didn't do the sin I did. Because some of it was fun, to be honest with you. But I want you to understand it's temporal. It's temporal. It's fleeting. It's fleeting. It's just temporal. See, you gotta understand something. Peace is a gift. It's different from the world. The world will give you a peace, but it will be for a temporary period. But God's peace is eternal. And the third thing I want you to realize is this peace is not related to circumstances. Gotta understand. Gideon was in bondage to the Midianites. The people were in bondage. They had no resources, but God gave him peace. And folks, I want you to understand something. God can give you peace despite your circumstances. Peace despite your circumstances. Now, there are three types of peace. First of all, there's spiritual peace. There's spiritual peace. See, the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means every one of us. David said in Psalms 51 and 5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20 says, there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We were all born sinners, ladies and gentlemen. And the Bible says this, Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That means because of my sin, because of your sin, I was separated from a holy God. Because of my sin, because of your sin, we were separated from a holy God. But what the Bible says, the Bible says in Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, being justified. Now, what does the word justified mean? Here's what justified means it means just as if you had never sinned. Just as if you had never sinned. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this, ladies and gentlemen. We were separated from God because of our sin. But Jesus Christ reconciled us to God. He reconciled us to God. And when God sees us, he sees us justified just as if we had never sinned because of Jesus Christ. That'd be a good place to say amen. Amen. See, folks, there is spiritual peace, but I want you to know something else. That is peace with God. But then there is emotional peace. And that's the peace of God. Notice what Colossians 3 and 15 says. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That little word rule, it actually means umpire. It means umpire. It's just about opening day for all baseball and t-ball. It's just about opening day. Well, what does does the umpire do? (laughs) He keeps peace on the field. And ladies and gentlemen, to have peace in our life, that comes from God. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let that peace umpire. See, there's peace with God. That's spiritual peace. There's the peace of God. That's emotional peace that, ladies and gentlemen, despite your circumstances, you can have peace in your heart. Folks, the world can't give you that. Only Jesus can give you that. Only Jesus can give you that. And then, folks, there's relational peace. There's relational peace. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12 and 18, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. <laughs> there is a relational peace. You say, Pastor Benny, but you don't understand. You can't always reconcile with all people. I agree with that. There are some people who give an aspirin a headache. <laughs> you know the advantage frogs have over us? They can eat whatever bugs them. Amen. But I've what I've learned. You said, Brother Benny, do you have any enemies? Not a one. You say, Oh, Brother Benny, you hadn't. You don't know what they're saying. No, no, no. I just refuse to stoop to that level. I just refuse to stoop to that level, because I'm going to have relational peace. Because it's not based on what they do or what they say. It's based on what I do and what I say. I just, when I was preparing these messages, I just wrote down some things r- right fast, and I'm going to hit them right fast, and, and I'll move on. And I believe these will help you with relational peace. I just wrote them. Just, they didn't come off the top of my head. They just came out of my heart just through life. This is what I've learned, folks. Being Christian is more important than being right. <laughs> being Christian is more important than being right. Uh, for years, Frank's wife begged him to take her hunting, He put her off as long as he could until finally he gave in. They went to a place where bucks were likely to be found. He placed her where she could get a good shot at any deer that came along, and he trudged through the underbrush to another location about a half a mile away. Before he could get into the position, he heard two shots. Oh, no, he thought. If she gets a deer before me, I'll never live it down. Then he heard his wife screaming, now step back. That's my deer. As he raced through the woods, He could see his wife aiming her rifle at a man whose hands were raised above his head. She yelled again, step away, that's my deer, that's my deer. As Frank arrived at the scene, the man yelled, okay, lady, you can have your deer, but give me a minute to get my saddle off of it. (laughs) This is what I know. Some of you are slow, but you're worth waiting for. This is what I know. Being Christian is more important than being right. This is what I know. Number two, make a decision to like yourself. Make a decision to like yourself. See, Matthew twenty-nine and 30, not 22 and 39 says, love thy neighbor as thyself. You know why a lot of people don't love people around them? They don't love themselves. You know why a lot of people are so unhappy with everybody around them? Because they're unhappy with themselves. They've never identified. They've never, they've never became secure in who they are. They're always trying to be somebody, look some other way. They can't accept their age. They can't accept anything about themselves. I want to tell you something, folks. If you want to have good relations, the first step, it starts with make a decision to like yourself and get comfortable in your own skin. Be who you is because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Why would I stoop to try to preach like Charles Stanley? Well, God's got a Charles Stanley. He created me to be Benny Tate. I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm not trying to brand anybody. Folks, I want to create a brand. Amen? See, I believe there's no other place like Rock Springs. I'm not trying to clone anybody. I think we got the greatest church in America. They need to become like us rather than us becoming like them. Somebody said, you may not believe what Brother Benny believes, but after hearing him preach, you'll believe he believes what he believes. Number three, don't compare yourself to others. 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 says, comparing yourselves yourselves among yourselves is not wise. It's just not wise. Don't compare yourself to other people. Number four, accept people. Accept people as they are. I'm not talking about condoning sin. You're missing it, folks. But what I'm trying to say, they're just people. We have to reach the point that we just accept people for who they are. We can't change everybody. We shouldn't try to change everybody. I'm not, again, I'm not talking about sin, but I'm talking about accepting people for who they are. I think that's so important. Just accept them. this is what I know, folks. You don't have to become like people. You don't have to. Become like people to reach people, but you do have to like people to reach people. You don't have to become like people to reach people, but you do have to like people to reach people. That'd be a good thing to tweet out. Number five. You. This is not original with me. It's actually original with a guy named Mark Lowry. This is what he said. He said, "You hate your sin, and I'll hate my sin, but let's love one another." That's a good thought. Why don't you just hate your sin and I hate my sin? And we love one another. That's a good thought. Why don't I just work on what I'm struggling with and you just work on what you're struggling with and in the process, we just love one another because by the way, we're all struggling with something. And the last thing I said, a soft answer turns away wrath. Proverbs 15 and 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. You said, Pastor Benny, where did you learn that wonderful concept? Being married 34 years is where I learned that one. Okay. Pastor Benny, I want this peace that you're preaching about. How can I have it? Let me give you the five steps. Number one, obey God's principles. Obey God's principles. The Bible teaches us in Psalms 119 verse 165, great peace have they which love the law and nothing shall offend them. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, little boy said, I've learned how to get along with my mama. And his friend said, how do you get along with mama? He said, whatever she says, I just do it. Folks, I'll tell you how to get along in life. Just obey God's principles. You obey God and leave the consequences to him. If God said it, just do it. You say, well, I don't totally understand it. You will never totally understand it. If God said it, you just do it. You just obey God's principles. No matter what that principle is, you just obey God. And see, the principles you live by will determine the world that you live in. Number two, accept God's pardon. Just accept God's pardon. Guilt is the number one destroyer of peace. Peace. Guilt is the number one destroyer of peace. But Psalms 103 verse 12 says this. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, here's what I'm thinking. If God's removed your sin, who's bringing it back up? He said he removed it. So, if God removed it, who keeps bringing it back up? There was a man by the name of George Wilson. He lived in 1829. George actually robbed a mail carrier, and he was sentenced to execution by hanging. But he had some influential friends, right? President Andrew Jackson. And they wrote President Jackson, the, old Tennessean, and the Tennessee president gave him pardon and said, you're pardoned, George Wilson. But you know what George Wilson said? He said, I don't want it. And it literally went to the Supreme Court. And Chief Justice John Marshall said these words. He said, the court can't give the prisoner the benefit of the pardon unless he claims the benefit of it. You said, well, what happened, Pastor? He received execution by hanging. He had the pardon, but he wouldn't accept it. Here's what I'd say to us. Folks, you've got to accept God's pardon. You can keep beating yourself up over what you've done, but God's forgiven you. And if God can forgive you, certainly you ought to forgive yourself because if you don't forgive yourself, you're making your standard higher than God's standard. Third step to having peace is focus on God's presence. Focus on God's presence. I want want to be real practical with you, but look what Romans 8 says. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. To be carnally or worldly-minded is death. But if we're spiritual-minded, it's life and peace. So, <laughs> Pastor, I, I want to have peace. Focus on spiritual things. Focus on spiritual things. Focus on godly things. Isaiah 26 and 3 says this. How many of you could use some perfect peace? Sure we could. Well, you know what the Bible says? He'll keep us in perfect peace if we just keep our minds upon him. I went to the hospital last night, and I went and I walked in, and I saw this man, and he'd had his chest ripped open. I, I I could see it was ripped just a few days before. And he had... Perfect peace. And I said, well, I, I'm getting ready to go. And I've never had this happen to me in 30-some-odd years of going to the hospital. This man who was at perfect peace, he looked at me and he said, uh, I, I, I want to pray for you. I thought, no, wait. You, you just had your chest ripped open. I mean, I'm, I'm full of life. You want to pray for me? Now, now I needed the prayer. I'm not saying that. I mean, anytime you want to pray for me, God knows I need the prayer and you need the practice. Amen? I mean, I'll I'll take it. But I said, you, you, you want to pray for me? God bless my pastor. You give him strength. He goes all the time. Take care of him out there on the road. I thought you better pray for them other people too. Take care of him out there on the road. Watch over him. I love him, encourage his heart, even let him get rest while he's on the run. Then I said, I got to go. And I understood why with his chest ripped open, he could be at perfect peace because he was focused on spiritual things, not about himself, not about my four and no more. He was about other people. He was about God. He was about the things of God. And folks, when you focus on God's presence, you can have peace. Number four, trust God's purpose. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I love it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct the path. I love three verbs. Trust, lean not, acknowledge. Trust, lean not, acknowledge. Gives us three verbs and then he gives us a promise. I'll direct your paths. Trust God's purpose. Amy Carmichael was a little girl, and she prayed, and she said, Mama, I want to have blue eyes. Why is it, folks, we always want what we don't have? If you've got straight hair, you want curly hair, amen? If you're tall, you want to be short. If you're short, you want to be tall. We always want what we don't have, amen? I mean, you know, it is what it is. But Amy Carmichael wanted blue eyes, and her mama said, you pray that God would give you some blue eyes. And she prayed, and God never gave her blue eyes. She had, you know, the most beautiful eyes. Of course, that's brown eyes. And uh, <laughs> she later became a missionary to India. And she said while she was a missionary in India, she realized that many of the young girls there were taken to the temple and dedicated to Hindu gods and forced into prostitution. Prostitution. And she put on a a sari, an outfit, and with her dark skin and her brown eyes, she was able to go up to the temple many times and rescue those Hindu girls out of prostitution. She rescued scores of young girls out of that Hindu prostitution And she said, you know, you know, if I'd had blue eyes, they would have recognized me immediately. God knew what he was doing. And folks, God knows what he's doing in your life too. He knows what he's doing and you just got to trust God's purpose. That God's got a purpose. Even when we don't understand, he's got a purpose in all of it. Folks, when it don't make sense, God still got a purpose. And folks, let me tell you, I've said it, I've said it, but let me tell you, it's God's sovereignty that helps me keep my sanity. Because Spurgeon said it best, God is too loving to be unkind. He's too wise to be mistaken. And when we can't trace his hand, we can trust his heart. Lastly, ask for God's peace. Ask for God's peace. Philippians chapter 4 says this, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is all I want you to understand. If you that those two little verses that I shared with you. Prayer comes before peace. Prayer comes before peace. You say, Pastor Benny, who's your favorite preacher? Who was your favorite preacher? He was a man named Adrian Rogers. If you go and you listen to his voice, that's how God's going to sound one day. Adrian had that voice. Godly man, 74 years old, eat up with cancer. skin already had that yellow look about it. He was in the hospital, and his doctor was one of his parishioners. And his doctor said there to him in Memphis, Adrian, we're going to have to put the ventilator on you. But if you want to say something to your family, you need to bring them in and you need to say some things to your family. And of course he did. He brought his family members in shared things with his family members, his wife, Joyce, and his children. Then they left. And the doctor that was going to put the ventilator on him Again, he was his pastor. He said the last thing Adrian said to him before he died is he looked at that doctor, knowing that he probably wasn't going to live. And he looked that doctor square in the eye, and he said, I am at perfect peace. I am at perfect peace. The world can't give you that. Only Jesus can give you that. And bless God, the world can't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. The world can't take it away. You can have peace despite the circumstances because His name shall be called Jehovah Shalom. The name of the Lord. Is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking. Pastor, I'm here. I'm in one of the congregations. I'm in one of the campuses. I don't know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't know that if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't have that peace in my heart, Pastor. But I don't want to go to hell. I want to be like Adrian Rogers. I want to be at perfect peace when I die. But I'm not at perfect peace right now, Pastor. I want you to pray for me. Friend, I promise I won't embarrass you. I won't call your name. I will not make an example of you in any way. You have my word. But if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm right with God, but I want prayer. Right where you're at, just slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Just up and right back down. I just want prayer. I don't know that I'm right with God, but I want prayer today. I want prayer. God bless you. I want prayer more than I want anything else. God bless you. I want prayer more than I want anything else. If you raised your hand, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry, God, I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess them to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord. Come into my life and forgive me. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming into my life. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you hold your hand up where I can see it? I prayed that prayer with you. I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer with you today. I prayed that prayer. God bless. God bless. I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. Listen to me very closely. Pastor, I'm here today, but it's a turbulent time in my life. I am a believer. I am a Christian. But it's a difficult time in my life. And I need God's peace. I need God's peace today. I need the peace of God. We need it in our family, Brother Benny. We need God's peace. I need God's peace. Pastor Benny, please pray for me. And you'd hold your hand up. Hands up all over. Hands up all over. Hands up all over. Hands up all over. over. Folks, No matter which campus you're in, I want you to stand. 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 I want you to to understand something. Hypothetically, this is a thousand pounds and it's on top of me. and It's really weighing me down. It's weighing me down. Now, what can the Lord do? This is what I believe, folks. I believe the Lord can do this. He can lift it off. So, do you mean it all goes away? No, no. I just mean God gives you peace in spite of it. God gives you peace in spite of it. Maybe you've got a thousand-pound load on you. This is what he can do. He can lift it off. He can give you peace. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then see you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations. On the greatest decision that you'll ever make and I want you to know this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling he's a fact this decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life so congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.